Hey, it's Dave Harrison. We got Tina Boom Boom Lucchese today, who's a hairdresser and vintage clothes dealer. Clothes? Clothes, clothes dealer. Clothing? <laughs> clothing. <laughs> they're, when they're plural, they're called clothing. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good cloth one. Cloth dealer. Cloth dealer. <laughs> we talked, I feel like we talked about pretty much equally between... Uh, clothing and hair we talked a lot about her being from the bay area but then moving to portland and the differences between both hair and the vintage scene in, in, and, in, and, uh, and nothing matters because everything is uniquely tina <laughs> right i feel like we could talk to another person doing the same things and it's not going to be anything like tina well a lot of people say one things of a like, kind a lot of people say things like I should get a radio show and she's the first person that I think has said it and we're like, yes, actually, you absolutely should. You should totally have a radio show. I'm sure you'd play killer. <laughs> I'm sure you'd play killer music and I'm sure you'd be awesome to, to listen to. And I think this, you know, this is a fun episode. She definitely. And now we know how Dave gets all these guests. <laughs> how do I get all, this, all these guests? Because you compliment them. Flattery gets me everywhere? No. That's, that's I, right. <laughs> well, the, no, the, the secret to how I get guests is I ask people who I respect, and then I think that the, it comes through. Without being a creepy fan, I, I, I feel like I just say, you know. You sure you're not a creepy fan? I might be a creepy Sometimes, fan. Sometimes. Some, some people you are. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Dave, like Dave, Dave, even killing it getting guests. I, I just keep calling my friends. And I'm lazy. So thank you, Dave. Bill's got a lot of friends, though. <laughs> he does. We're going to start scraping the bottom of the barrel of those soon, too. So we'll see. When we make the excuses of, oh, hey, you may not know this person, but their job is really interesting. It's because we couldn't get someone better. <laughs> I think it's when we get the person who we, you don't know them and their job isn't interesting. Yeah, then, we're, then, we're, then it's time to hang it up. <laughs> so stay tuned next week for Jim Haas. <laughs> he make he he could really sell his his job though. Like, yeah, hey, actually, that would probably I'd be a really interesting. I make a million interesting. dollars. That'd be a really interesting episode. I would totally be down for that. But anyway, <laughs> Jim's, listen, Jim's listening right now and sending me messages. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> so so check out Tina's uh, vintage shop too. She plugs it at the end. It's on her Instagram and um, try her virtual haircuts. Exactly. Go get a, go get a mullet from Tina and in, in Portland, if you find yourself there, but uh, enjoy the episode. I'm, I'm sure you will. We did. Yeah. Let's roll the tape. All right. We're going to get started. So we start this off where you introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do for a living. Okay. This is Tina Boom Lucchese. For a living, I, I do hair 
I'm a hairdresser. I've been a hairdresser for 30 years and I sell vintage clothing. It was a side, it's not a side hustle. It's how I make money. I sell vintage clothing and records and all kinds of stuff. Cool stuff. Yeah. Sounds good. She might, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll have to we'll have to see what deals you got. Yeah. <laughs> see, my problem, my problem with I vintage clothing deals. is, as a large man, no one was my size apparently before 1989 or so. <laughs> <laughs> you could buy a couple of De Blasio's. <laughs> so, well, I buy all sizes, so I probably can find that's some awesome. good yeah, stuff I, for you. I, I also feel like the yeah. growing up being into like punk rock and roll and stuff. Most of that stuff doesn't look good on me anyway. I'm like, oh yeah, I should not be trying to wear leather pants. <laughs> I'm all- <laughs> exactly. They're not for everybody. I think that you should maybe embrace it and maybe get some leather pants if you really feel like you have I think I do, fresh you know, leather. Do they make those leather pants in, in plant? <laughs> I think there's a time. Yeah. I think there's a story involved. If I start a new band now, I'm in my 40s and I start wearing leather pants. My family might question my decisions, but I think that's all the more punk rock. I think I'd question that if you're wearing leather chops. Well, I mean, teach their own. I feel like it's just that's just a weather thing. I mean, I'm I'm fine. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> this is just not winter appropriate. Is that why you moved to Louisville? <laughs> So, so Tina, like, what did you when what did you want to be when you grew up? Like, is is this kind of like, are you feeling good where you're at? Oh. Yeah. As a teenager, I didn't think I was going to be a hairdresser. I think when you're like young, you like totally have that, like, oh, I'm supposed to have kids by the time I'm in my mid twenties, and but that totally changed. You know what I mean? That kind of like went from like when you're like eleven, and then you start getting into weirdo shit (laughs) and you're just like no that's not what I'm going to do and yeah I don't know nothing against kids or anything I don't have children I have three cats but yeah I but how many cats do you feed (laughs) I feed three cats they live in my house and they're like they're like my children so yeah (laughs) because I know people tell me they have seven cats that live in the house but they feed like 27 cats (laughs) that's too much that's a lot but they don't live in the house they just feed them yeah, well, I used to want to have like 10 cats and now I have three and it's a lot. But yeah, when I, I wanted to grow up, you want things. I mean, definitely, I think always like p- playing some sort of music, but not really thinking it could ever happen. And I think getting to be like in your late teens and I mean, I didn't start playing music until probably I was 20, but like fantasizing about that, but never actually thinking it could ever happen. But it happens, obviously. So, so how did hairdressing come along? Hairdressing came along because when I first, I grew up in Marin County in Corte Madera and like I moved to San Francisco when I was 17 and I got a job at a beauty supply company, Beauty Supply San Francisco. And I was around tons of hairdressers and there was a woman that moved from Oregon and, and was a hairdresser upstairs. I worked the beauty supply downstairs. It was on Fillmore Street, the first one I worked at. And, and she did hair and she's like, you should totally get your license. And I was like, yeah, maybe. And then eventually, like, I decided to go to beauty school and my mom helped me pay it. And like, I did in 10 months. So it kind of happened. And you waited in 10 months or were you a beauty school dropout? No, I did it all. I wasn't a dropout. (laughs) I did it. (laughs) Straight through. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. No dropout. And yeah, I just, I don't know, being around hairdressers, I like the idea of being like self-employed, you know, is good money. I could do it and do it anywhere. I mean, it was hard getting started. It's not like you get out of school and you're like doing really well. You have to assist and I don't know. I, like you're at like super cuts or something. No, first, not or, stupid cuts. No? Okay. <laughs> I'm more bourgeois than that. I like worked at a salon downtown San Francisco and assisted for this place called Cinta and it was bougie. And but the the they oh, were wow. the owner was this Irish woman and she was kind of a nightmare. Like the, I just it was I always had a hard time fitting in. This totally brought me back to high school. Like no matter how much black I wore, I always felt like I stood out. It was just, it kind of wasn't my scene. So I worked there for a while and she, the owner would be like, Tina, would you ever in a mill go get my sandwich at the Armani (laughs) store? So that was downtown in like uh, the early nineties. So I'd be like, fuck this fucking bitch. So, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go get her fucking lunch. And I would take, like 45 minutes or an hour and like just walk around downtown San Francisco and go to like, I think Rainbow Records was still down there. Maybe not. I don't know. I just like kind of like putzed around and then made my way back. I knew how to kind of like screw the system a little bit there on the clock. I want to get into this not fitting in. Do do people really think you're from California? (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's funny that you say that because I You seem like you're from New York to me. (laughs) People always say that to me. And I live in Portland, Oregon now. And I want to tell you, I feel like a hardcore New Yorker (laughs) here. I'm totally like, people, I think, don't know how to deal with me sometimes. And I'm just like, they're like, you don't seem like you're from here. And I'm like, I'm not from here. I'm from the Bay Area. California. They're like, you actually seem like you're from New York. And I'm like, well, I take that as a compliment because that's my California where is where I'm from. But, you know, I'm also grew up hundred dad, hundred percent Italian mom, hundred percent Russian. So that's as, that's like as Brooklyn as you can get without being from Brooklyn. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. But they're like Sanford old school, San Francisco, you know what I mean? So, yeah, when Sa- well, San Francisco back in the day used to be like New York. Yeah, it was. Like it a was. Place, right? So, I was just there like last week and I still love that city. There's still things that are great. I, I did stupid things like, we got to drive down Lombard Street, <laughs> the curliest street. And I was just like, those are things that you never do when you live there. But I was like, oh my, God. it's just filled with <laughs> tourists and with COVID, it's weird. Molinari's was closed again. I'm like, I can't get a good, there's no good Italian delis in Portland. So, Last two times I went, it was closed. And it was like, you know what? Okay, I'm going to go. Just have to go get something else. I feel like Tina and Charlie would be best friends. I I mean, I I feel like I I do the same thing when I go back to New York now is I I do the tour, not even the touristy things, but like the things that I overlooked. You do the pastrami. I definitely do the food things. I go back and get all the food that I can't get. So like when that's a thing, I mean, that's definitely a thing. And, And Louisville actually has pretty decent food, but they don't have, there's no Jewish delis and there's no really good Italian food. So those are the two things that I have yep. to go back. Yeah. Nope. Same with Portland. Portland has other things. It's a little bit too precious. And I'm like, you know what? Someone's like, oh, they opened an Italian deli. And I go there and like me and my partner, Johnny, we're just like, <laughs> this sucks. And he's like, and then we get in the car and he's like, I stole some cheese and some peppers in my. <laughs> they don't deserve them. So I've always loved that about him—that he is like, <laughs> let's 
fuck those yuppies. <laughs> I do feel bad. They're small business, but it's like, but you know what? It's like, you have no business open, opening this. You went to Italy once and now you think you can open a deli? Fuck well, you. Well, the people that open Italian delis over here, you don't still fuck. You wouldn't want Maybe to. important. Yeah. No, I know that. I wouldn't do I feel that. like if there's nope. not, if no. there's not weird meat expect. that you can't identify hanging from the ceiling, it's not a real Italian deli. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. So, yeah, Genoa closed in Oakland. I don't know. That was a bummer. There's no place to go. Molinari's was closed. Anyways, San Francisco, I still love that city, but it's everything's going to shit. So we're lucky we're old. Well, well, you left, so you, you, you can't take credit. <laughs> I know. I want to go back. I miss so it. You can, you can remove yourself a little bit. I might bit. go back. There might be a time where, I mean, I don't know. I do miss California. Portland. Or- I was worried about hairdressing. Like, Danielle from... Bobby Teens is also a hairdresser. Was that just a no, coincidence? We're, she's my best friend since I was 15. Thank you very much. But okay. So, <laughs> Who followed yeah, That's actually one of my questions is, are you responsible for like the, the punk rock hairdresser connection in the Bay area? Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, punk, there's so many like awesome, like <laughs> rock and roll punk rock ladies. They all do hair because it's like a creative job. You can make good money. You can make really good money. It's, let me tell you, I've been doing it 30 years. It's like, oh, now I need a knee replacement. It's like, it's hard on the body. It's hard as you get older. Like, I only do it two days a week now, and I don't want to do it more than that. But I still am addicted to the money. And I make less than I do in San Francisco. Like Danielle tells me, she owns a salon there. It's called Marquee Salon, and it's next to 1234 Go Records in Oakland. She's had it. She had some partners, and now she's on her own. And it's, it's a struggle doing that now through covid but people are still like oh i gotta get my highlights done and um just especially during the holidays you're kind of yeah well all these people said everybody shouldn't go to work because they can get work from home but then all of a sudden the important thing was opening up so they get their hair done that was a secret thing my wife's an esthetician she owns a brow waxing studio and Back uh-huh. before the pandemic, she would go back to New York all the time for clients. And she, some, for some, she would do house calls if they like couldn't, couldn't get to her or whatever. Yeah. And there were ones that were like, please come back. I'll pay you anything. <laughs> they were like freaking out because oh. they, get, they couldn't get her there. And I feel like hair's y- y- the same thing where it's like you have your person and that's the person you trust. And like y- money's no object when you, you put that kind of trust in someone. So that must've been really hard for your clients. But God forbid somebody wanted to go to work or couldn't work from home. Yeah. Well, even, yeah, even if that's you work Zoom. from home, yeah, that's all. Your I mean, hair that, is, that's, is, that, that's is visible not my on point, the screen. Though, I don't know? think you know anything about hair. <laughs> There's your picture. I knew that joke was going to come at some point. <laughs> so like, were you, were you already in Portland, Tina, when the pandemic yes, started? I moved here about five years ago. Okay, so were you? So so did you have? Uh, how did that work when when you were dealing with clients? I mean, was that? Did you shut down for a while before? Oh yeah, we shut down. I I, I work at a salon. I'm independent. I like rent a chair. And they they shut down and we closed in March 15th, I remember. And then we re- reopened in June. And then in June and then in that summer, yeah, it, it was kind of weird going back. I, I kind of had anxiety about it because COVID, you, you, it was at the point where like you had to bleach your mail. You couldn't like, you're like sanitizing your hands like a maniac, which, you, you know, but it was extreme. Like you had to, when everyone was wiping down all their groceries and leaving the Amazon package outside. That for was like, neurotic. That's what that I was. I still have a friend whose husband still bleaches the mail when it comes. What do you mean bleach the mail? What does Praise that mean? Is that like, cutting, is that like bleaching checks? Yeah. I know some people that do that. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, they spray, he sprays down the mail with a spray bottle of bleach. Well, what if there's anthrax in it? I don't, well, then there'll be an explosion. Maybe, who knows? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know what that combination does. Chemical explosion. <laughs> well, I did see one of your most recent Instagram posts, and, and I've seen this with my wife's business as well, is the cost of everything going up. I mean, I even when it's first started, you couldn't get masks, which they were using anyway. No. Yeah. Gloves. You couldn't get gloves. Yeah. And it was crazy. Like, I used to use re- reusable gloves and whitewash them off just because I'm like, oh, I'm going to be real green here. And like, it's better to, like, reuse stuff. I've gotten real crazy about that since I moved to Portland. Like people are just like the crazy recycler lady. Yeah. Like you couldn't get certain stuff. And it's funny. I made that post because I saw it and then I was reading it. And then it's funny. My boss, she's hilarious. And she messaged me. She's like, our developer is actually $5 more. She's like, I wish everything was that cheap. And I'm like, you know what? She's fucking right. It is more like, so I was like, made a joke. Like, yeah. I mean, I was just like, But I just wanted to make the point out there because I have raised my prices January 1st. And I also made it like a post about because here they're not mandating like not every place you have to show a vax card to get into do certain things. So I just made a point like I'm only doing vax clients because I do new clients. I'm kind of one of the persons at the salon. There's only a few of us that will still take new people. So you get freaks sometimes. When you get new people, you don't know what you're getting. <laughs> it's always a crapshoot as to who's going to walk through the door. Yeah, I have I've already, like this last week, there was some kind of creeper person, and he made an appointment. And I was like, that guy's not coming. I know it. He made it next week. And if he didn't come, I'm glad he didn't because I was in the salon by myself. I don't know. I got a vibe. Sometimes you get a vibe. So, mm-hmm. so, so I want to talk about down at Lulu's a little bit because at some point you okay. went from renting a chair to owning the place. Is that right? Yes. I didn't rent a chair there. Oh, okay. So that, was that just an opportunity that came up or you, were you thinking in the back of your head you wanted to own a place? Me and Seth Bogart, Seth from Gravy Train, Hunks and His Punks, he like uh, had a fanzine. This is a good story. So he had a fanzine and he was a kind of big Bobby Teens trash one fan. And we became friends when he moved from Tucson to Oakland. And we used to go, I used to take him thrift shopping and like we would go like, no go out to the suburbs and like go drink like 32 ounce frappuccinos and go thrift shopping all day. And then like he was in beauty school and then he went on tour. And then I'm like, you should work with me in San Francisco at the salon at Beer and Friends. That's where I had, I worked there for 10 years. And then me and him worked together there. And then I'm like, we should open a shop. We both lived in Oakland when we were working in the city. And then, so we decided, cause we were both were thrifters. We're like, it'd be awesome to have a store and a salon together. And we kind of had this like John Waters, like, Madonna in Pee Wee's Playhouse pipe dream of a shop. <laughs> and we just made it happen. We found a place. It was, it's still in a weird neighborhood. Like that neighborhood is not like super shoppy, but it's right across from the White Horse, like the first gay bar in the East Bay, which we could do events at. We had like shows there and stuff. Anyway, anyways, me and Seth did it together. And yeah, he was my partner for five years of it. And then I continued, he, he moved to LA and then I continued for another five years by myself. So I, I had it for 10 years. Yeah. I miss it. And when I moved here, I was maybe going to try and like keep it going and go back and forth. It just was too hard. And some stuff happened and like, you know, personal stuff that like, I was like, it just, it's better. I just sell it. And so I sold it to Amber and two of the two other girls for like dirt cheap. I'm like, I want to keep this going give me this much money. 
if I ever want to work here again, you got to let me. <laughs> Is that written into the contract? Like you have to rehire me? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Kind of like pinky, pinky, like, which is uh, learning a lesson I'll tell you about later about starting a business here with somebody that I was loosely made a contract, but it just got rotten real quick. Anyways, so, but the other two girls left because just, I have to say, a trio is not good. Having business partners is difficult, but three women is tough, difficult, any kind of person for me really is hard. But anyways, Amber is the sole owner now and I'm I'm glad she's keeping it going and keeping it doing her own thing with it, but kind of sticking to like mine and Seth's like program of like a pretty punk still. You well, know? She she did she did when we spoke to her, she did share I believe she had mentioned something about was it one of Russell Kwan's jackets that like she was like, we should put his name on here and, and sell it and you were like, we're not doing that. <laughs> she had funny ideas like yeah she's so funny ideas yeah she were she was one of the first hairdressers i i hired there and she was just out of school and i was just i like to give people she was cool and i used to see her around at shows and i don't know me and seth were like she's cool let's have her work here you know what i mean and uh, I was Go just going to ask yeah. if you had mentioned working with people was tough. Did you did you and Seth stay friendly the whole time that you were doing all that, or was it still is it still just hard to have a business with anyone? It's still hard for me to have a business with anybody. But me and him, I, he's in LA, and he's I, when I sometimes he comes here, and we kind of like message a little bit through Facebook. I mean, I definitely am not. I don't see him as often as I would like. But we're all doing different things now. This kind of happens. But yeah, it was. I think when he wanted to leave, I was like, wait a minute, you can't leave. But we agreed to five years, like, and then we can make change. The lease was up and then he did it fine. He didn't do anything weird. I didn't want him to leave, but as I was scared, I'm like, I don't know if I could do this by myself, but I figured it out. I had, I changed the the program a little bit that I had people working for me and paying rent and selling and they had to work a day. I don't know. I kind of made it like a collective sort of, but I remember one of, we had a meeting, one of the girls, this is a collective. I'm like, it, it kind of is on paper, sort of in your mind, but actually the boss. It's always, also a dictatorship. You know? it's, it's the most, it's the most friendly dictatorship. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I'm like, bitch, I'm your boss. So just, and that was it. Silence. <laughs> well, how, wait, hold on. So this is where I want to get, like, I always picture you, the boss of your bands. Is that always true? Is there like a relation? Is, is there a correlation there? I'm the boss. <laughs> I'm the boss. We have a joke, me and my, me and my partner always say, because one time I we were getting in an argument and it was about down at Lulu's I called and he played a trick. We were in Europe, like in Cyclops, me and him have a, had a two-piece band and like we were on tour and I had to call the shop and he made a joke, like everything was going, like he was talking to one of the girls in the shop and he was like, oh yeah, that's fine. I'm sure. Yeah, it's good. Like, and I was like, you gotta let me talk to her. I'm the boss. I'm the boss. <laughs> and so that's the joke. It's like, I'm the boss, like three times. <laughs> but I, um, I have to say, I much more appreciate I'm the boss than like something wiggling around it and pretending I'm, we're collective or <laughs> like just I'm the boss. Okay, good. I don't have to talk about I'm it the anymore. Boss. It's funny. Janelle, Janelle worked there, Hessig, and like she made a sign that said no haggling and it was drawing a cartoon drawing of me like no haggling <laughs> like my fist in the air it was really funny I, I wonder where that sign is i think it might still be there no haggling <laughs> because people yeah people tried to haggle and i'd be like we already did the work for you we already thrift shop you know what i mean 
No wait, wait. Now I want to see. I, I feel like there's other Janelle drawings of you that I want to see. <laughs> she has more. She did some more. Janelle worked there. A lot uh, of people work there. A lot of people work there. <laughs> In the beginning, it was funny. It was like all Seth's friends and they all like, I was totally <laughs> like the mean boss kind of, you know what I mean? Like Seth was always the fun one. And I'd be like, you got a dust bust underneath the, the rack. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, or like you were 20 minutes late. And it was just like, it got to be, I'm the bad guy. He was the good guy. I got annoyed by that, but I love everybody that worked there. I'm just but, more but, pinched. But he didn't walk around saying I'm the boss. No. Nope. <laughs> so but it's he easier was to the be boss. the good guy the boss. I know, but I'm saying it's not what he said. So He didn't say that. You're, but you're I said defaulting that once yourself he left, to the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. I know. He. I remember once he had to fire somebody because she was... Like she called one day, this is bad. This is God's funny. She called, she's like, you know what? I'm in Santa Cruz with my girlfriend. I don't think I could come in to work. I'm just not going to come in. And Seth, like, I think fired her. And then like, then somebody else, we had somebody else that worked there for a minute. And it, he's like, you get to do this. One. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, and that was, it was hard, that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? To be that, but there had to be some sort of order. It couldn't be chaos all the time. And it was, but it was fun. So is the, but it was your chaos. My chaos. <laughs> so how does that differ from what you're renting a chair now? I mean, is do you miss being the boss or do you actually like not having to deal with that mm. part of it? I've really had to keep my trap shut a lot, like at meetings and stuff. Like so there's certain things I, I have to like, I'm just renting a chair there. And I realize that like I am under their umbrella. So like I can give advice and stuff, but I'm always like at my shop, I used to do this. I, I kind of stopped saying that, but it's fine. I actually like being in a, that salon situation where I'm like, yep, okay, I dumped the garbage. See you later. <laughs> you know what I mean? Dump the garbage. I like wipe down the counter because we have chores. So I like that. And I, Danielle, like she talks to me about her salon and she has some difficult people working there. And I'm just like, you need a chore list. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, we have a chore list at the salon now and everybody does it. It's like, you have to do, it's like, we all kind of like chip in and help our bosses. I'm sure you do you dodged the PPP nightmare of having to go through all that stuff when everyone had to close down too. I'm sure that I, I watched my wife have to go through all that stuff. I mean, it would, the, when you're responsible yeah. for other people's livelihoods, it gets especially stressful after a while. Sure. Totally. They were really cool. The owners at the salon. I work at a place called vacation club in Portland and they're younger. I mean, they're younger than me. Everybody is, but they, they are were really cool about rent like if they could, they would let us not pay rent. But, you know, we understood. You know what I mean? I'm like, I understand I had a business. You know what I mean? It's a tough situation. Like when businesses close down and we're not making money. And then like with the whole unemployment thing with self-employed people. I mean, I'm sure your wife knew about that. Like that was a shit show. Unless you were a business owner, you can get money. But like when you're self-employed, I mean, I didn't get, I went, I didn't get any money till I, two weeks after I went back to work in June. That was the only unemployment I ever got in my life. And I got 26 checks. You know what I mean? All at once. And I was like, okay, we'll cash all these. But during the pandemic, I mean, I just, I sold so much shit online, like on eBay. I sold like, I cleaned out my closet. I sold clothes out of there. I sold a lot of records. I sold, I just, I have a lot of stuff. So like I'm a hoarder and like I, I've downsized my record collection considerably. So I've sold I feel a lot like of, at this I, point, I mean, if you found an extra box of Trash Woman records, I mean, those go for enough by themselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who is a hoarder in the Trash Woman is Danielle Pym, 
she has so much shit. I'm always like, you need to sell me some of those, right? Because I always like, I always sell them. And then I had a store here for a few minutes with this woman who is a freaking nightmare. But she and me, and I sold records out of there. I did really good selling. Like it, it was on Alberta. It was a tiny little store and we sold vintage and records. And then it just got, she just got weird. And I was like, you know what? I can't have a partner. I can't do this because I'm the boss. <laughs> <laughs> Clear theme coming here. <laughs> and it just got, yeah, I'm like, I'm out. I can't do this. I can do this on my own. I should have, I wish I found that place on my own because the rent was so cheap. It was only like 700 bucks. Oh, wow. I'm not going to tell you what it's called because I don't want to plug it. <laughs> I want to give her a crumb. <laughs> Bay Area. Bay Area. <laughs> I know I am. I didn't have hippie parents. <laughs> That's it. Definitely. No, my dad was a teamster. Ronnie. He was a teamster. He was a tough ass. Italian. Was he the boss? Who's the boss? <laughs> but you know what? My mom was the boss too. She, she in actuality was the boss in her own, the way that I, as I get older, she was fully the boss. <laughs> well, that's like the honeymooners kind of way. I mean, like it really, that, that's how it works out. So, so going back to your start, so you're, you're, you started doing hair and, and doing all that. Were you, were you, playing music at that point, even if, were you playing by yourself or how did you get involved in starting to play in bands? Well, I mean the story, okay. The trash woman were playing when I was doing hair, we, we were playing. It was funny. Danielle used to pick me up. We go from the downtown in her car and then we would shove everything in. She had an old Buick Skylark. And she, uh, I mean, I played in kind of a, a band before the trash woman. It was like a garage band called the cryptics and we never played a show. We had a show at the chameleon and we chickened out because <laughs> we didn't show up because we were too scared. And it was uh, Brett from the flakes and my friend, Laura and this guy, Jim, and it was covers and some other like funny songs. And uh, I played organ in that band, the Farfisa, which I still have. And those are heavy. Yeah. <laughs> it's in uh, my storage unit here. And then what else? And then the trash woman happened because the story of Mike Lucas wanting the desire to have an all-girl surf band open for the Phantom Surfers on New Year's. It was like 90 or 91. And 91, I think. And uh, Elka was already in 8-Ball Scratch and was obviously a great guitar player. And so we were all hanging out, all three of us, like kind of going to shows and stuff and like mummy shows, Phantom Surfers, all that. And so then like Mike's like, you and, you and Danielle should play. And then I'm like, I was dating Russell then. So he had a drum set, Danielle, like, borrowed Mike's bass and we would practice. Mike worked at Lim Warehouse, which was like a furniture distribution place. Yes, and I read he, his novel. Yes. Yeah, so like <laughs> he would he had they had these warehouses. I don't know what the hell, but there was like an empty warehouse. I mean literally empty huge warehouse that we would bring our gear in and there was electricity and we would practice there. And we practiced every day for three weeks before the show. And there was another woman, uh, Maz's wife Mass from the Mummies, his wife, Christina, she played rhythm guitar, but she only played the first show. And then we kind of thought, like, I was like, you know what? Maybe it might not work out for you to be in this band. Because <laughs> you know? we were like, but she was actually like, she, it would have been cool if she was in the band. But through the three of us together, in, in hindsight, it was a lot. <laughs> Three divas, like you also don't really need rhythm guitar for that style. Like I feel like it needs that no. space. It needs that one guitar kind of sound to it. Yeah. So, 
Want to rep your favorite podcast? We don't have any of their merch, but if you're liking Killed by Desk, visit our website for t-shirts, coffee mugs, hoodies, and a whole lot more. Just go to killedbydesk.com, see what we got. Don't forget, we cut all of Charlie's jokes out of the episode. You need to buy the full version. Yeah, and go rep your podcast. I want to go back to the influence of Mike Lucas here. Okay. <laughs> so Mike Lucas said, you should start a band, and I've already created a slot at a yes. specific show. Uh, he and was he's like, out. And you can use my workplace to practice. Yeah, I don't know. It was all crazy, and it all seemed like a good idea. Yeah. He has a lot of good ideas. So He is. He's a good idea guy, for sure. He really is. Wow. I, I had no idea he, he was working like that that early on. Too, oh, yeah. So. He was always. And I, I met him. I remember we used to just like, he lived in that warehouse, and he would buy records from like Crypt and like, I don't know, some other like distros, like comps. And we would go there and just like Norton and all that. And mostly Crypt. He'd get all the Tim Warren stuff. And so we would go there and he would sell it to us all wholesale, what he would get it for. Like, so we would go there and buy records from him. He once convinced me that it was Did okay. Did the furniture to... stores sell records? What? No, right? They didn't sell records at the furniture no, store. No, that was they, just then, where he worked. Didn't they, didn't they just like put the furniture together? Wasn't that they, like the job? I think they put it together, but he delivered also. Sven Eric worked there too. Okay. Yeah. So Mike wrote a novel about yeah. furniture guys who sit around the warehouse wondering so what, what they're, where like the life is going. Thing then. Yeah, yeah. But oh, it was okay. like, there's a murder happens. Oh, uh-huh. Uh, is that the, the devil? Why the, they just put de- the records in the sleeve and then... <laughs> oh. <laughs> he didn't do that. There was no records there. This is a sex thing. I don't know. I don't know what went on. They could have used the, the plastic they put on the furniture to wrap the records yeah. in. Like, they could have been they dual... Yeah, <laughs> I'm just imagining that there's like there's a business. I'm imagining idea. there's a sofa somewhere with a shitload of Phantom Surfers records hidden inside of it. <laughs> yeah, probably. So, so yeah, he once convinced me that driving a thousand miles with twelve people piled in my van was a good idea, and I <laughs> and I bought it. <laughs> he's a, he, that is so him. Is, he's like, well. I remember one time, like we were hanging out, me and him one day, and I used to totally like write check, bad check, like out of my account and like let them all bounce and then pay it all later. I don't, it's like so stupid, but I, he decided that he would use my checks too. And we would go record shopping together in San Francisco. <laughs> and then he's like, I'll just pay you later. It totally worked out, but I, I had to, yeah, it was funny. I'm like, I'll just write it. You could write checks to reckless records and like, that works Recycled once, though. You, on you better get a, you better get everything you want that one time because it's not going to work a second time. I know, <laughs> you know things like, I yeah, I don't know. So it's probably still pictures of both of you on. Bill, <laughs> did you ever write a, Bill, did you ever write a bad check to Bleak or Bob? No, did you? <laughs> Does he? Did he take checks? <laughs> I feel like he would slap. No, you who if he takes tried. checks here? <laughs> In Portland, Mississippi Records, Eric still will take oh, a check. I would never, I would never rip them <laughs> off, though. That's terrible. I hope someone doesn't write them. No, no way. He doesn't take cards. He doesn't take cards. He's like, I'll take a check. I'm like, you're crazy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I like it. I like it that he is definitely like keeping it old school. Didn't they like sell they, like, the label? The Didn't they sell the label and move to like Chicago or something? The label did. He's still here. He has the record store here, but he doesn't have the label anymore. He might probably have some input in what comes out. He probably just 
I always thought he just has his record store. That's a great record store. It's the best one here. I always thought the uh, I always thought the label was really interesting because it's like a bunch of Dead Moon records and then like old like Delta Blues. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's like that's well, a hell of an idea for a record label. It's just like whatever I want to put out, I'm gonna just gonna get the rights to it and put it out. And like that's I mean that's I think everyone's dream, and and you'd lose a shitload of money doing it, but who cares? Yeah, well maybe that's why he's. Put, moved the label on to Chicago because you know? we know the money is you know? we know the money the real money is in record retailing. <laughs> I, I wanted to get into some Tina tips on dealing with customers. Okay. So I was in the wedding business for years. Have you done a lot of weddings? No, I don't do bridezillas. I I have some stories. Okay. When I first started doing hair, I kind of felt like I had to do that stuff. I will not do that now. Good. <laughs> do you ever fire uh, but, uh, do you ever fire clients? Yes, I have. And does it take a lot to get on your shit list or is it like kind of like a one and done kind of situation? Once I had down at Lulu's because I was the boss, <laughs> I really like embraced that and as I've got more confident doing hair and dealing with loony birds cuz down at Lulu's definitely cater to weirdos, you know what I mean? People would come in like this one this for instance this woman, she kept like bringing in pictures of Dita Von T's, how her hair was all smooth and forties and like that. And this woman's hair was like Roseanne, Rosanna Danis. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I was just like, I was just like, she has a stylist and she like flat irons her hair and blows it out and styles it. Like she also pays probably somebody hundreds and hundreds of dollars to look like that in those photos every day. But anyways, if you're not going to blow dry your hair and do all the stuff, like your hair isn't going to look like that. So I cut her bangs and then she'd come back. She complained and then she's getting all snippety with me. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give you your money back. And I think that we are a bad match and you need to go somewhere else. So that was it. And she just uh, looked at me that's like. That's what I was going to get at. Yeah. yeah she it's just like people have their own ideas. Yeah. And she just sounds like you just give it to them. <laughs> it's like I always told Amber that and anybody I'm like, you know what? Just give them their money back because that's the problem. Then they can go somewhere else. You know what I mean? Unless you like totally like burned all their hair off and like they have scabs on their head or something. Did that, did that ever happen? No, that's never. Ha- I have broken people's hair from bleaching and I have done some shitty hair. What does that mean if you break their hair? When you over process it and it starts falling out like breaking. It's like it actually like gets crinkly. It gets like, like mushy, wooden. like fried hair. It's like it's not like falling out like at the root. It's just like the hair gets really damaged. Bleach just if you really want to get like a lowdown. So hair color tint, when you put that on hair, it like lifts and deposits, meaning it, and it, it has a, a certain amount of time where it stops, you know, working, it stops processing. So you're kind of safe. You can't really screw somebody's hair up too bad, like damage wise, color wise, if you don't like make a good call of what will work on their hair, but bleach on the other hand. That's just aesthetic though, right? We're talking about damaging the hair. Yes. Bleach on the other hand will keep going and processing till it melts off your head. So you have to like know how long to leave it on for. And, you know, there were times I'd be like, okay, I'm putting this bleach on your hair. I'm going to go home and eat a sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) I did that. And then she, it was, this is a funny story. So, and then, like she came in and she was crying because I left her there too long. She was crying and I'm like, oh shit, this chick is crying. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. And then we kind of got through it. And then she never came back to me again. But the funny, I went to Salulita, Mexico with some girlfriends over Christmas and I'm on the beach and I hear this, Tina. (laughs) 
Oh, no. There she is, the client on my vacation. And was I she remember, bald? no. <laughs> you ruined no, my fucking vacation. But it was like the joke of the day with my friends because we kept seeing her in town and it was just like, oh my God, there's your client. It was just funny. And I'm like, oh my God, there's that nightmare client. I was like, why is she on my vacation in Sayulita, Mexico? You know? Anyways. It, it, I, we used to have a few clients that. We kind of gave them the go away and then they came back. Yeah, they did that. Did that ever happen? That happened. What kind of clients? You know, like they just weren't, weren't worth the effort the first time. Yes, and, totally. And we did everything we could and it didn't end well. Ugh, and then they came back. And then they, Because they go <laughs> other places and they're a pain in the ass and people, they don't want to, you know, people are probably not as nice and tell them to go away and then they're like oh i'll go back there they still be able to figure out like that's happened before and that is the worst you're like shit i thought i got rid of this person and why are they coming back i mean is that part of the like before you're saying like i I had a feeling about the guy didn't who booked a week in advance didn't isn't gonna show up so after a while you just get that kind of second you get a vibe and you have to, I like, you have to ask a lot of questions. Like there's certain things I don't do on my menu anymore, like for hair. Cause I don't want to deal with it. I just want to do like root touch up on ladies with gray hair. Like, I don't want to do like my little pony hair. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to do any balayages. Like I don't do that. I want to, I don't know. I'm like old school. Like I can strip somebody's hair from blue, black and make it look nice to lighter shades. You know what I mean? I can do old school 80s hair, <laughs> but like all this, a lot of new stuff. When I moved here, like it was kind of eye opening. I was a little bit big for my britches. Like everybody was like 30 years old in the salon. And I was like, had to learn all these new techniques. So I took some classes. It just was like, Ugh, why did I leave? Why did I just stay? Back, you know? <laughs> but so, so wait, that's pe- why people in Portland are pickier. They're not as pickier, but it's just kind of, there's a lot of young people here and they want certain styles that they see like balayages. There's a lot of students here. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people that kind of have like crazy hair. Like they want to look like, I don't know, Mariah Carey. I, just, I thought everybody was always being retro. So it'd be like, oh, I got to do there's, Farrah Fawcett again or something. There's, <laughs> that, there's that also. There's that also. <laughs> but there's also like this new technique of, painting color on called a balayage which is fine i do it but it's like sometimes i do it and it's not as like smooth i don't know i just don't want to do it anymore i've had a couple clients where i'm like you know what this isn't my thing i need to just stick with what i'm good at is that where is that the one where it looks like it's growing out like you're growing out color yeah okay yes okay and sometimes i see that i see people i see people walking around i'm like that looks like shitty ass roots. Like, you know what I, mean? <laughs> I don't know. Well, how do you paint it on? Is it like spray paint? Like G- no. GLH Formula 9, I think. Because we used to, to get that thing, that spray paint. Remember yeah, Bill, G- that, GLH that? Formula 9. No, 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 no. The Formula 9. The one that was I in wish the spray it was like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, spray, the spray paint. Spray, I wish it was spray, actual spray, spray paint. <laughs> I, I was at a show and Ted Leo like sprayed his hair green with that stuff. And then someone shot him with a water pistol and his whole <laughs> shirt turned green. Oh my God. I, but I sprayed Scott Weiss's hair with that. That was the GLH Formula 9. That was GLH Formula 9 with yes. that spray hair thing. No, it was the Rompapil one. But it, we, we got the silver and he has no hair at all. So he just looked like a bull. GLH, <laughs> GLH Formula 9 is my favorite mummy song. Oh, uh, very good. <laughs> 
That's not the next record. <laughs> Has anybody ever painted their own hair? Yeah, have you ever had to? Probably. Have you had like? Have you had people come in and go like, "I tried to do this myself based on Pinterest or Instagram, and I I need your oh, help." Oh, for sure. Yes, all the time. Those are the worst people because they like, and then you got to fix up their fuck up. You know what I mean? And they're like, "I is, actually, is there an I extra have, charge for that?" Oh yeah, I, I, I <laughs> no haggling. It, no haggling, but it's like okay. I try. I'm more strict now. <laughs> I don't know why it's taken me 30 years to get more strict, but like, I'm like, that's going to take five hours. So I charge this much. And do you want to do that? And then like people in Portland are not, it's not like San Francisco. Like Danielle tells me how much and New York, like how much she charges. And I'm like, damn, I should go back there and do hair. But or, you know, or you should just start charging that and be like, I'm from the fucking Bay area and you get a higher level of service with me. You could be a total dick and just go nuclear and be like, this is like, like, yeah, you could go <laughs> one of these, go with one of these Portland noobs or you could use me and, and like, I know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah. I charge more. Did you ever get anybody try to shoplift their heads to help you? Like, um, like a uh, product or getting their hair no. done. The hair done. Yes, uh, not with me, but it happened at a salon. When I first moved here, I worked at a salon called Chelsea. And there was a woman that was known for going around town that... Did she throw like a brick through your window? No, she got her hair done fully. And then I didn't do her hair. And then she's like, oh, I don't have my ATM. I don't have my card. I got to go home and get it. And never came back. And that sucks because... That's like Dine and Dash. Yeah, that's like Dine and Dash. It's like you're like ripping off this young girl that spent three and a half hours doing your hair really nicely. And you guys, and you like, that's pretty ballsy. You know what I mean? She could at least have the decency to write a bum check. <laughs> she could have wrote a bum check. At least it's a delay. You don't want to do that to me because I'll find your ass. Like I had a client. <laughs> when I left San Francisco salon, I had a client who I did regularly. She wrote me a bad check and she was not, she was pretty well to do. But I called her like a hundred times till she finally paid me in a week. A <laughs> <laughs> hundred times in a week. You boiled a rabbit. Like you. <laughs> she gave you a fake check, but a real phone number. Yeah, her, it was a real check. It was her. She just never wanted to deal with it. Oh, Tina's gone. She's not at that salon anymore. I don't, well, I'm just not going to pay her. She was a jerk. There's some. Yeah. <laughs> so who's crazier, the Portland people or the Bay Area people? Um. Oh wait, I'll add another layer to that: the vintage people or the hair people. Oh god, <laughs> you got I four, that, four quadrants there. Well, hairdressers are pretty crazy. Like, you know what I mean? Definitely. Like, um, we're hairdressers for a reason. <laughs> like, there's some like normie hairdressers, but we're all a little bit crazy. Uh, vintage people. I mean, definitely. I feel here that I there was a lot of things I had to learn. It's really competitive here because everybody is doing it. I mean, it's like everybody goes to the bins and buys the Goodwill bins and buys and sell. There's a lot of vintage stores here. It's competitive. It's more competitive than the Bay. But I think also it's different now that the internet is happening. I mean, I started selling vintage pre-internet where you'd go to, you know, the flea market and sell or have a store. Like now it's like everybody has a store. You know what I mean? People tell me, oh, like, like my son, he's 14. Him and his friends all have a Depop shop. And I'm like, that's nice. <laughs> you know, that's nice. It's like, it's people are, yeah, it, it's the stuff that sells now. Sometimes I'm like, oh my God, that's so like gross and ugly. I can't believe people buy that shit. Just like whatever kind of t-shirts with any kind of logo. I mean, you see it. 
you see what young kids wear. You're just kind of like, but is that getting, is that part of getting older? Cause I, I think we asked Amber this question too, because I'm fascinated with the fact that like vintage to like younger kids now is like a Michael Jordan basketball Jersey. And you're like, wait, what? Like oh, that's absolutely. not vintage. Are you kidding me? Like streetwear and sports shit is bonkers. You know what I mean? And I, I don't buy that stuff. I saw, I like, I like sixties and seventies hippie stuff. I like like new wave and punk kind of clothes, like designer. I don't know. I love rock t-shirts, punk t-shirts. I kind of like stuff that I would wear, you know what I mean? More, but I do like women's clothing and I, I do pretty good with men's like in Portland, like in the Bay, I can sell more kind of like wacky clothes. Like here, t-shirts, like I kind of keep it where I try to find seventies and eighties t-shirts, like cool ones. It's hard. Pendleton's of course, anything Pendleton will sell. It's the Pacific Northwest. People wear like I saw a lot of 501s. I tried to find USA made ones. If people want to grunge, they want to look, it's a real thing that everyone still looks like that here. So you did have to adjust your buying yes. habits for, for your area. Yes, totally. Like I don't That's sell. That's really interesting. I do sell women's clothing. I sell like certain things that I like. I love vintage 80s Betsy Johnson punk space label. I can't sell that stuff here. I sell it online. I have an Etsy store I sell on or I sell on eBay. I sell on eBay. That would sell in New, that would sell in New York all day. Absolutely. Yeah. I love her stuff. I have a big collection of it and I still kind of look for it online and find stuff and resell it. But I, I there's some young girl here. I take used to have a store by 59th street. What? That's like the current have... stuff though. Not the Oh yeah, no, yeah. I'm talking about I'm talking about in the eighties. Oh yeah, yeah. She, yeah. she was great. Yeah, her book was boring though. I read her book and I'm like, she's kind of a goody two shoes. Even she's married to John John Kale. I was like, she didn't do drugs. She didn't like do anything too crazy, except was married to John Kale, but then got divorced. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, yeah, they were married for like a minute though, right? Yes. Like I feel like they were only married for like a year. So maybe a little longer. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So so uh, the, the five six seven eights had a vintage store, and I, I kind of feel like they would book their tour based on where they could source yes. good stuff. Is totally. that true? Oh yeah, Sachko, the drummer. Because the mark the markup is much bigger, probably oh, totally. internationally, right? They used to stay with me all the time when I was with Russell. They'd stay with us. And I, she would be like, Sachiko, the drummer, and her mother had the store. Yoshiko would help do stuff there, too. But it was mostly Sachiko and her mom, Michan, that ran the store. And I would take her thrifting. And it would be like, we'd go into Thrift Town, say, in San Leandro. And we'd be there for like three hours. And I would be like, oh, my God, I'm going to go insane. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that I sounds like thrifting. the most intense thing I've, I could ever imagine. <laughs> yeah, but I loved it. And it was like, and then they'd, we'd go like, go get burritos or something. I love, I miss doing that. I did that with them like multiple times. They would come out and we would, you know. Do yeah, I seem to remember their van was like full of crap. <laughs> yes, Totally. <laughs> Wait, so would they bring it back to Japan and make a yeah, profit yeah, off of the no, tour? Absolutely. A huge, I think they, I think, because I, I think I was talking to Steve Bass about it. I think that was like a big part of like the income. <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, we didn't get paid for the show, but 
there's that that store That's down genius. the street. People should start doing that. Should be like a multi level marketing scheme where like we get American bands to go to Japan and just bring over a whole bunch of vintage <laughs> shit. <laughs> That's just called smuggling, Dave. Have you ever been asked to style other bands? I mean, has that has that did that happen when you owned the the shop, or has that happened since then where people have been like, we like we like your style, you know what you're doing. Like, can you help us with this photo shoot or make us look cooler for our album cover? A little, I've done some a little bit of that, but not so much. Actually. That's, that's yeah. closer to a wedding. I've actually <laughs> lent some clothes. Oh yeah. I've lent some clothes here to, to there, a woman that I was selling. I was working in a shop called Babylon Vintage and I, I was selling stuff there and she picked some of my things to for Carrie Brownstein. Sleater Kinney was doing a photo shoot and they wore some of my jumpsuits or whatever. Stuff like that. Once in a while, something like that will happen. I, I know people that do lots of styling like they live in LA there's people who do it in Portland for TV shows and stuff but it'd be really fun to have your own clothes and be able to go style that do that stuff more yeah I mean I kind of am like maybe a little bit lazy now as I'm older like what do you mean what do you mean have your own clothes that you design or or oh, just my collection I have the stuff that I'm selling like I have some pieces in my collection that I will not sell I think that I, I it, someone would have to be really worthy to get it for me, and it, it won't even fit me. But I'm not going to sell it because I'm hoarding it. So are there people <laughs> that like go out there and get this vintage clothing and then style people with it like that? Yeah, totally. There's people, uh, tons of people would come into down at Lulu's like, oh, um, I'm picking for a movie, and I need '60s clothing. So we would help them get stuff. They like, like, yeah, that's like a specific thing, but I'm saying like, you know how like there'll be a star and they only wear certain designer stuff is like some star that says only take your vintage stuff and that's all they wear. I wish, but no, that I haven't had that happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's definitely a reason why every once in a while you see like a paparazzi shot of like a Kardashian wearing a crash t-shirt. Like, I mean, like that oh. does happen because someone put them in that or was like, like, oh, this looks, this will look cool or edgy or whatever. That mm. just makes me insane. I can't deal with that. <laughs> it just happened. There's a store here and somebody sold a Defiance shirt to this young girl and she's like, didn't know who they were. And I'm like, you're a poser. Like, don't wear that. I'm sorry. I, okay. This is a good story. I've had some people like, I won't sell them the shirt because they don't know who the band is. I really shamed somebody at the flea market. You make them like, you say name five songs. Well, I'm just like, do you like them? Or do you, they're like, I'm like, do you like, do you, I said, Oh, do you like this band? And they're like, I don't know who they are. And I'm like, you shouldn't buy the shirt then. <laughs> I'm totally like just that. tell her that they're, they're child molesters. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy to believe. The, uh, well, you know what the, they should do with the misfit shirt? If you can name five songs, you can't wear the shirt. <laughs> I, uh, don't get me started on that. Uh, I, I, have an I opposite, can't name five songs. I have an opposite story where my sister went to. I have a twin sister, and she went out to a yard sale out on Long Island one time and this woman had all these vintage like remote rocket to Russia era Ramon shirts and like a bunch of old dead boy shirts. And my sister picked up one of the dead boy shirts and the woman was like, Oh, do you like them? And she's like, I love the dead boys. She's like, I used to sleep with stiff baiters. You can have them for free. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's awesome. That's like, she wore them thoroughly, please. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh yeah, she. I mean, she blew out the armpits on them. Like, I mean, those. They're. I mean, we're this. We're talking thirty years. Wait, your ago. Your sister did, or, or no, no, my, my sister did. She way. wore them. She oh. wore them <laughs> until they fell. Because those old T-shirts don't last very long no. anyway. I mean, they're. But people want them. I've sold some really thrashed T-shirts for. I have a Descendants one here right now that is just like you could see through it, and I'm going to put it online and sell it probably for like maybe two hundred bucks. That's awesome. Yeah, people <laughs> buy them though, and I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe uh, who knows who will buy it? Maybe some like no stupid Kardashian person will buy it, and then I'll be bad. <laughs> I get mad. I but then I... when the money, it's like money talks. So I'll take the money. Yeah. I don't I want like to your see sword... who's buying it though. I was gonna say I like your sword in the stone approach, where you have to be like, no, you don't. You're not worthy of this. It's not. No, thank you. <laughs> well, there was a woman I at down at Lulu's. This has happened a couple times. I had like a really nice kind of like a '60s like. Daniel Boone suede, but like pullover. It looks like something like Neil Young would have worn in like Buffalo Springfield. It was like yellow suede fringe, beautiful. Uh-huh. And it was Halloween. She's like, well, I'm going to buy this. I need it for a costume and I'm going to cut the sleeves off. I'm like, I'm not selling Ooh, it. No. <laughs> I was like, I'm not selling it to you. I'm sorry. I'm not selling it to you. Get the fuck out of my store. <laughs> Absolutely. And she was just like so mad. I was like, I don't care. I'm like, you're totally defacing a beautiful vintage piece. Get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Back to juggling music and hair. I want to talk about, so when you were working at this foo-foo hairdresser place, you were going to Ted Rayo, Ted Rayo corrected me once. (laughs) He wouldn't know. (laughs) Sorry. Go ahead, Dave. Was that like, did you, t- did you tell people, oh, I'm in a band called the Trash Sometimes. <laughs> or were you like, so you weren't, so you weren't no. like a different person at work and then going nope, off and like me. playing punk nope. shows. Really? No. <laughs> 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 nope. Not me. Yep. Well, that's good. Yeah. Was, was there ever an alert to like go the, go that mainstream route and just be like, I'm going to do rich women's hair and like care no. about no. all that I stuff. No, I just wanted the money. Of, uh, I like the money. That's. I like the money. I definitely could not be engrossed myself in that world. Like I know people that have that, like that's their whole life. They like, Oh, okay. Now I'm going to be like uh, on the Paul Mitchell team and go tour around and do class. Ugh, it just seems blech. going that's, to hair. That's shows what choke, and all that's what choke from Slapshot does. That's what choke from Slapshot was doing. He's going to kick your fucking ass. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, video. I, no, I want I to see no you get your ass kicked by choke. <laughs> this is what happens, Tina. We just end up having to cut most of it because we're either it's talking okay. shit about people or, or we, uh, I'm not talking we shit about go anybody. horribly off topic. You were saying something? So- I had no desire to like be that kind of a hairdresser at all. I just wanted, I liked to make the money and um, it just, it was hard at first because you had to assist for so long, you know? Because well, I, I, I like, I, I, learning yeah, how no, to I do think hair. you're making a great promotion for hairdressing here, right? You're, you're well, because I think everyone feels like because the commonly accepted hairdresser thing is that it's partially how good you are, but it's also about your book and how well you can build a client base, and like you have to be likable and you have to network and do all that shit. So, so were you like fuck that, or were you like listen, I'm going to network with my own people and I'm going to get the people yes. that like I know yeah. from shows and stuff to come. I, to I had a bit of that, but I also I don't mind. When I, I don't mind doing the normal soccer mom lady hair because it's easy and it's good money. I like those bread and butter clients, I call them. 
I'm feeling like this is such a better profession than like a bartender. Oh, I would not want to bartend. I mean, I don't like being around drunk people, even though I used to be that drunk person all the time. The, the, hour, <laughs> the hours are better. The hours are better. It, it's you're on your feet. I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I think being a bartender, you can make good money too. I have lots of friends that do it, but I think for me personally, I don't know if it, I could do it for that long. I don't know. I have friends that are do it forever. They're still doing it, but, and they are just really good at it. And that's what they do. And they make money and they don't like, Sometimes people, though, <laughs> as they're bartenders and it's like, that's their lifestyle. Again, they get all like, they go to the bar, they party there, they hang out. It's just like, ugh, too much. Yeah. But, I was, and as far as like automation, I mean, there's the flow bee, but like, is, do you think in the future that like, there'll be just like some machine that cuts your hair? No, I don't. I think it'll never <laughs> go away. I don't think that's possible. It's a skill. It is. Yeah. I mean, I definitely. It's a craft. I love cutting hair more than I like coloring. I like cutting hair. I think I'm, that's where I shine at doing like, I can all those textured layered mullets. I do lots of those. I can do a lot of rock and roll hair, but I also can do a total classic French bob because I did learn when I learned that was kind of the training was Vidal Sassoon was kind of the big deal. And I took some extra training there too, but I, that was kind of like when you assist, you learn that kind of precise hair cutting. Now it's like more razor cutting and shag shags, shags, shag mania. But like, it's funny. There's like this woman that has a salon in Oakland and like she charges like, I don't know, like $700 for a shag haircut or something crazy. And it's like, we've all been doing that haircut for so long. It got cut. Things get recoined and like re like, uh, like now all of a sudden she's, she's the ultimate shag lady. It's like, she's 10 years younger than me. I'm like, shags have been around forever. You know what I mean? It's like, they kind of get revamped and now they're popular. It's like everybody wants that haircut now. They come in and they want the thing, the curtain bangs and like the Stevie Nicks kind of shag. Gypsy shag. As long as you're not well, seeing the music. See Sorry, I can't say gypsy, but that's what we used to call it. <laughs> it, is a name, it is the name of the record or song or writer. <laughs> you what? It I is. That's right. I'm seeing a lot of. You what? The gypsies that live across the street from me have seven dogs. <laughs> no, it's the, the what? The, they're not really no, gypsies, really right? Gypsies. Are they? The you call them? What do they call Rome? Romani? 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 Is that it? Right. <laughs> or, no, can, can't they just be Irish travelers? Yeah, they were Irish. <laughs> I just thought that, I thought they were like yeah. Hungarian or something. No, but they call them yeah. Irish travelers. I've heard them call it. Yeah, they're yeah. people without a country. Yep, they are. But they, they got dogs. <laughs> they got dogs. <laughs> <laughs> But aren't like, are, are, I mean, aren't mullets are coming back oh, too, aren't they? Back. Like, I mean, Where have you it, been? They're back. They have been back. <laughs> <laughs> Tina, I'm a middle-aged man. I, don't I know that. that. But the thing that is, snake yeah, like, thing uh, in the back of the hair isn't coming back, is it? The what? That snake hanging out of the back of people's hair. For you mean like a, it's uh, called a rat, rat tail. tail. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. It's called a rat tail, oh. not a snake. I don't know what it is. I just seen a <laughs> snake hanging on the kid's chair in front of me in school. You know what I mean? Like, what the hell is that thing? I was going to hit it with a freaking mallet. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> Those guys that sick of it all had it until like 2002. Yeah, but mullets are like crazy popular, and it kind of started with that Die Antwerp girl uh, with that hair, those haircuts. Because I remember I was doing them down at Lula's. This girl had some. I was like, "Ooh, so Die Antwerp!" And like she kind of had that hairdo. But now it's like mullet mania. I, I even had one last summer. I got a mullet. Yep. Yep. I'm hip. <laughs> 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 uh, 
So, so you mentioned when you first opened down at Lulu's that you were looking for that kind of combination of like John Waters and all of those different influences. When John Waters introduced the Trash Women at the Burger Boogaloo, did you get a chance to like talk to him about vintage uh, clothing? Did you get a, did you get to go shopping with him or anything? Did you spend any time? No, with him? No, not. I mean, Seth. Yeah, actually, Seth was Seth is really good friends with him. Like now, you know what I mean? Which I am, which I'm jealous of because I'm like, why weren't you friends with him a long time ago? I remember going to like this was kind of when we had the shop. I went to John Waters had an art show in San Francisco. And he was there and I hung out with him a lot and I was drinking a lot of wine. And I'm like, you need to meet my partner. I think you two would have a connection. (laughs) (laughs) So I kept following him around and I I was around him a lot. But at the, yeah, the Burger Boogaloo, he did it. He's all business, big business, like announcing the bands and then he would sit backstage. But uh, the the one that we, yeah, we hung out with him then. And like, he's really nice. Who was really nice is Tracy Lords, like the nicest person. And so, yeah, she was awesome. I'm like, I would totally, like, we could totally hang out with this. You know, she was, like, fun and, like, uh, she was funny and, like, she was really Does she cool. like good music, though? Because I know she put out that horrible techno album in, like, the she probably 90s. Doesn't like, she probably doesn't really like good music. Because, <laughs> like, at least John Waters likes good music. He likes good music. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I love John Waters. I, w- I hope he does another movie soon. He needs to do another movie. I know. It's been a while. It's been a while. He needs to get it together. He needs to do a movie. <laughs> you know, he needs to spend less time doing these Christmas shows all the time. It's like, I have to say, I love him, but it's like, I've kind of seen that same delivery and story over and over again, which is funny, but it's like, do another movie about beauty school or something. You know? Well, I mean, it's probably a lot funny. easier. He probably makes, he probably makes bank doing that and doesn't have to exert any creative energy whatsoever. I mean, that's pretty all the power to him. If anyone's earned it, it's him. I know. I know. I'm just saying we, I want to see a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of creative energy, are you playing now? Are you, what are you doing music wise? I'm not doing anything. I, yeah, I haven't played music. I've done some recording here for like, well, for one, there was, okay. One recording I did was a song that I wrote lyrics for the yum yums and the daughter of Mort, the singer, is, was putting out like a 30-year anniversary compilation of bands. So I recorded that song and that hasn't come out. <laughs> so that's been a few years and that's a bummer because it was like, it came out really good. Then like the Go-Go's comp is coming out on Sympathy and I did a song here and that, that should be out soon. That's coming out. What song did we do? Uh, you Can't Talk in Your Sleep. Yeah, we did that song and I did, there's an all-girl band here called Dials. And they backed me up and it, it, it came out good. It came out good. And so that's, I haven't really like, I've been kind of busy doing other things and not really playing music. And I, to be honest with you, like I don't have the energy to start a new band, like, like, and start from scratch and write songs and stuff. Like I, the, the trash woman get offers to do things. And I, I would like to do, do that because I like playing with them. So we'll, we'll see if that can happen, you know? So you'll kind of just do like what the mummies do, where it's like you get a yeah. show offer, you go fly in and play that, play a couple shows and uh, make some good funny, money. Funny or money? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. <laughs> I'm trying to get um, a radio show here on X-Ray. I have to do a demo. I, I need to have a radio show. So that's kind of like something that I've been wanting to do for a long time. And I, I had some training on the air already. And then I got it. Just with the pandemic, people, the, the people at the station are pretty ultra like COVID conscious. 
they like have a machine that like sanitizes the microphones and all this crazy stuff. You know what I mean? So I have to do a demo and, and get that going, but hopefully that will happen. Yeah. I'm ready to do that. I'm ready to like play records and do themes. And I've been wanting to do it for a while and I kind of like making that happen. That's my 2022 and hopefully you get to play some music. The Teen and the Total Babes album is getting reissued on an Italian label. That should come out soon. And it's some Japanese label. Travis is dealing with that. And that might be able to be some shows in the future happening. You can go full circle and, and pull a full Mike Lucas and just find a bunch of kids and make them be in a band that you've decided yes. to to create for them. <laughs> I mean, I, Play it Friday. I mean, they got to be putting furniture together somewhere in Portland. I want to go back to Japan. Me and Johnny Cyclops played years a few years ago. We played in Tokyo with the five, six, seven, eights. Yoshiko asked us to come out there. I'm like, okay, Cyclops is a funny two piece band that me and Johnny had. And we dress like Cyclops monsters. It's like super nineties garage, like super like trash. I remember we played in Berlin and Texas Terry was there. Do you guys remember her? So all of a sudden I see her in the back. She moved to Berlin and she's like, you guys are just trash. You play trash. (laughs) And I'm like, it is trash. You're right. We are so nice. Uh, Anyways, we went to Japan and played. And then I got to play some of those Teen and the Total Babe songs with uh, Fink from Teen Generate and the guys from Thunder Roads back. It was really fun. I'm like, I want to do stuff like that. Like go play Japan. Like Nikki Corvette does like go to Japan go on vacation, play some shows, go to Italy. And like, I don't want to rough it in a van playing in like, you know, some like in Utah on a Tuesday night, which I've done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you know. do it, make it a vacation. Be like, I'm going to go here for a week. We're going to play two yes. or three shows to make it worth our while and go yeah, home. Absolutely fun. I also, I also like Deadly Weapons. Yes. Just the name itself. <laughs> That's a funny story too, because a lot of people think it's from that Chesty Morgan movie. Oh, it's not? <laughs> it's actually from... That's the movie where she has like a machine gun coming out of her bra or something. Right? Yes, which is in hindsight good, but I actually had a boyfriend whose feet smelled really bad and I used to call him Deadly Weapon. <laughs> his feet smelled so bad he would take off his shoes. It was like he would want to die. Was it, Rus- was it Russell? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Short-lived. That's why that jacket wasn't going to be sold. <laughs> That's funny. I did buy at Down at Lulu's. I remember Jello Biafra was selling all of his like clothing collection. And he has all these amazing button up like Western shirts and stuff. And Jesse he, from Blatz was selling them all. And I was like, I, it was at, it wasn't at the Burger Boogaloo. It was somewhere, some sale at like the park side. I'm like, I'll buy all these shirts right now. And I bought them all. And I remember certain people would look at them like, that was Jello Biafra's shirt. You know? And they're like, wow. I, I, I just know? had, a, I just, I mean, Jesse, Jesse works for Jello. I just had an image of like, hey, Jesse, here's your bonus for the year with my shirt. <laughs> you have a Sell them on eBay. <laughs> Here you go. Oh my God, funny. I love that Jello Biafra wears a, a Trump hates me shirt all the time. And it's like, <laughs> Trump doesn't know who you fucking are. Like, <laughs> oh my God, that's funny. I didn't, that's hilarious. <laughs> I should plug my Instagram. My Instagram for vintage is boom, vintage 68. And my hair Instagram is Tina Lucchese does hair. We'll make sure but there's I'd rather links. not have new clients, please. <laughs> but so you, can book, I, you know, I shouldn't say that because. Next well, if they listen to this show, hopefully they're not that bad. Well, yeah, for sure. this week, actually, I only have like three clients, so I should be quiet and be happy to get clients. <laughs>
real quick. There was a, a customer that's tiny and I'm like, she likes punk shirts. I'm like, this is an old descendant shirt. I sold it to her for like $40. It's cheap. And so then I go to this other store where I'm, I sell clothes at to them. And they're like, they post online the descendant shirt. Like she sold it to them. Like she's selling it for more. And I she made her it. go get it. I made her go get it and get it, give it back to me. <laughs> I know. Don't ever date me. <laughs> yeah, don't don't cross Tina. Don't date me ever. I will I've asked ex-boyfriends for everything back that I've given. <laughs> and you call all the time. I do. I'll call all, I'll call you all the time. I'm your worst nightmare. <laughs> That's it, kids. The gig is up. The cops are here and your mom is going jails, hospitals, and all your friends' houses wondering where you've been. Tune in next week for another fascinating, mesmerizing, and absolutely unmissable episode. And be sure to get on the list and follow the boys on social media at Killed by Desk. This podcast is produced by Jesse Cannon. And if you enjoyed this conversation, there's tons more where this came from. For only $5 a month, you can get full episodes with each of our guests for a total of five episodes per month. Want to help us out with some gas money and to get us to the next show? We have merch and more at killedbydesk.com.